Cassia and I would like to dedicate this episode to the late J.W. Rinsler. Thank you for all you did to help all of us explore the galaxy we love. May the Force be with you. Hello there, this is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello, everyone. Today we have an extra special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Travis, and I am from Force Time, a Star Wars podcast, and I am so excited to be with you two today. Yeah. Awesome. We've been uh, fans for a long time, and we're just glad that uh, this episode works out, and we can't wait for you guys to hear it. We kind of just had like a fun idea to merge like our podcast together for this one episode. And you named your podcast uh, The Force Time after the Force Time sessions in The Last Jedi. Is is that correct? It is. Yes, that is that is where I got it. I um, I loved that people called it The Force Time between instead of FaceTime between Ray and (laughs) Kylo and in The Last Jedi. And I was just when I started thinking about what to name the podcast that just immediately I was like that's it I'm yeah. doing that so yeah yeah and then our podcast name is uh the Ebon Hawk which is the name of the spaceship that uh both protagonists in Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2 use it's kind of like the Millennium Falcon of its day so then I was kind of thinking like for this episode it would be kind of cool just to um kind of like ask each other questions about like uh the Last Jedi and Knights of the Old Republic, it, kind of just like to kind of just learn more about uh, what we, we we both like, and I I don't know, I thought it'd be fun, like, cause I, I just when it comes to like fandom, I think it's better just to like not gatekeep, but to like kind of build on knowledge and just ask questions and have fun. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I totally agree with that, and I, that's why I'm like extra excited because. My knowledge of Knights of the Old Republic is very, very low. Like I have a gap, you know, I think everyone kind of has that right with Star Wars because, Mm -hmm. and I've talked about it so many times on my podcast, but I love that there's so many different entry points and like, it doesn't matter if you like just the animation or just the video games or just the movies, everyone kind of has maybe some gaps in their Star Wars knowledge and like KOTOR is definitely mine and and even legend stuff like i just i never got too much into that um but i love seeing the passion for those things and yeah i'm excited to learn more and really pretty much everything that i know about knights of the old republic honestly comes from the ebon hawk podcast so Aww. i'm, I'm no. excited to kind of kind of talk a little bit more in depth with you yeah so do you want to ask a question first or do you want to be asked a question first uh, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll start. So, so yeah, I have a, I have a list of questions here. Um, the first one, and this is again coming from someone who has very little knowledge of Kotor. So, either of you can take this, or if you both want to <laughs> do it, 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 it's totally up to you. But if you had to give 
a synopsis of Knights of the Old Republic in two minutes, how would you do oh. it or what would you say? Uh, did you want to take this one, Brian, or? No, no. Why don't you go? You're the you're the creator of the podcast, so I think yeah, you are in best position oh. to to kind of pitch it here. So okay, so Knights of the Old Republic is four thousand years before the original Star Wars. So before Luke Skywalker, it's another age. In the first Knights of the Old Republic, you are a Republic soldier who finds himself on a like sinking spaceship. You have to get off, and you crash land on a planet, a city planet called Terrace, and you have to get off and you meet some uh, people who become part of your crew, and uh, the main part of your trio is you, the protagonist, Bastila Shan, a Jedi Padawan who's gifted with battle meditation, and Kartho Nasi, who is a soldier in the Republic, and you make it to Dantooine, and you become a Jedi, and then you have to find a Star Forge, which is, you kind of have to go on a quest and piece together everything. It's kind of like Indiana Jones. Uh, and this is an era where there are a lot of Sith and a lot of Jedi, and they're at war. So it's not just like a couple Sith fighting a couple Jedi. You know, it, it's kind of like, kind of more epic, kind of more medieval, more warlike, I guess. And... Uh, you have to find the Star Forge because that's how the Sith are winning and because they're just able to create endless amounts of resources so you want to find it and destroy it. And in Knights of the Old Republic, you can make a choice to follow the light side or follow the dark side and uh, the choice is up to the player. Canonically, it's Star Wars, so like, it's it, you know, it's you, you choose good, but... And then in the second the second game is you are a Jedi exile and you kind of have to go through it's almost like purgatory you have to see all of the effects that the Mandalorian wars wrought on the galaxy it's definitely more of a philosophical tale kind of like a literature course i guess and Kreia is your Obi-Wan, or uh, Yoda, as it were. And no matter what you do, you, like, you can never impress her. And, uh, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Uh, and it's, the second one, it's kind of more difficult to explain than the first one, because it's just kind of more, like, up to interpretation and, like, philosophical. But I would say it's like you have to revisit a lot of the worlds that were impacted by the Mandalorian Wars, which were mentioned in the Mandalorian show, like the Wars of Eons Past. That's the, Those are the wars they're talking about. And you kind of have to make the decision, like, are you going to take the right path or the dark path? And then KOTOR 3 never happens, so that's where it ends. So, <laughs> Yeah. That's that was, that's where it ends. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's a that's a really good summary, kind of of those uh, first two stories for sure. 
definitely no that was really good and just you explaining that like it's it's such a cool story and it always makes me think whenever i like look anything up about nice old republic i'm just like why did i why did i never get into that i think i just missed the boat you know and then after you miss the boat for so long it's like oh well that's going to take all this time or whatever but that was no that was a that was a great explanation for sure yeah uh did you want to ask a question brian yeah so i guess uh we'll throw it back to you then with a uh, kind of a question going into the last jedi here so Let's see, we have, we have a bunch of things to cover in Last Jedi. It covers a lot of ground, but uh, kind of one of the first things that happens in the film, uh, Kylo Ren has an encounter with uh, Snoke and uh, kind of gets uh, berated there, and then we'll see him after sort of smashing up uh, his mask, which sort of sets up for the rest of the film. He's going to be unmasked. Do you think that there's some sort of uh, symbolism to him destroying that mask and how you know kind of his character is portrayed in The Last Jedi? Yes, absolutely. I think so. I think first off, uh, not talking about like in canon universe, I know Ryan Johnson has said like we had to get the mask off because Adam Driver is such a great actor. Like we had to find a way to get it off. But mm. I do believe that in the film, it is that kind of, you know, I don't want to say that's the turning point, but, you know, after he killed Han in The Force Awakens, that was, I think, the start of his you know, redemption tour, if you will. And, you know, the last Jedi picks up right after that. And so he kills Han at the end of the force awakens and we go straight into the last Jedi and he goes and he kills Han Solo and he thinks like, okay, I, I did it. Snoke, like, you know, what else do you want from me? And Snoke is still, not thinking that you know kylo is worthy or whatever and so you know he calls him a child in a mask and immediately smashes the mask and i think from that moment on it's like okay i'm gonna take out snoke you know kylo ren i'm gonna take over and i'm gonna get rid of him i think right then i think he probably already had it in his head before that but at that moment i think that's when he decided I'm going to kill Snoke somehow, some way, and I'm going to take over. So, yeah, I think I think him getting rid of the mask was kind of getting out of his, you know, adolescent phase, if, if mm-hmm. you will, as well, and kind of taking that next step to, like, I'm in charge now, you know, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm no longer the apprentice, like, I am, I am taking over. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a really good question. But I do think that it's kind of that, um, you know, he's, he's done being that child in a mask, and he's ready for that next step. Yeah, awesome. Excellent. So my next question is, would you rather have a remake and a lot of mine are going to be like more personal type questions because again my my knowledge of kotor is really limited but i think by asking these questions i'll mm-hmm. get more information and and I'll, I'll be able to learn more but would you rather have a remake whether it's live action whether it's video game animation um, or a continuation of knights of the old republic both i i, I want both yeah. for sure yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I think I think for me, I would like to, I would like to see it start with a sort of remake, remaster of the video game, because I think that that's kind of going to tick off a lot of boxes for 
fans of the kind of original story, the original game, uh, like us, and then introduce it to a an entirely new generation of uh, gamer and Star Wars fan. You know, people that didn't grow up with it, people that might try to play it now that find it a little bit uh, clunky. You know, it's not you know a modern game, right? It's you know, 18 years old now. So I think I would like to see some sort of like remake remaster of the game and then have that story uh, kind of fleshed out fully in uh, sort of a trilogy of movies or um, some sort of uh, TV show uh, kind of thing, you know, like the Mandalorian, prefer- preferably the movie uh, for me, but uh, like to see it come to life in live action and then extend beyond that, whether that be um, into a TV show or into some spinoffs that explore different aspects of the old Republic. Uh, what about you, Cassio? What, what would your pick be? Um, I would say both, but yeah, leaning more towards a movie rather than a game. But, uh, I think more people would prefer a a game. Gotcha. I, I think, um, I think seeing it, you know, in a movie or on a, you know, a TV show or whatever, for me, that would definitely get me like immediately hooked in. And then if they went to like the game route for sure, but I think either way, you know, at this point there's been some awesome new star Wars games that have come out, but I think, you know, it kind of feels like they're just missing something in the gaming uh, world where if they did kind of remaster and put this back out on like PlayStation five or whatever, I think the hype would just be, I mean, the hype already, you know, with rumors and everything is already crazy. So yeah, it'd be mm. interesting to see uh, kind of where it'd go. Yeah, I guess time for last Jedi question. Um, what is your favorite bit of editing in the last Jedi? That is a great question. There is so much. Um, the first thing, actually two things immediately came to mind. Uh, the first thing is at the end of the movie when Luke Skywalker is having his like ultimate Jedi moment and like one of the coolest moments in all of Star Wars talking to Kylo Ren right about the rebellion is reborn today the war is just beginning and I will not be the last Jedi when he goes through that speech and you know he says the rebellion is reborn today and it goes to Poe, right? It cuts back to Poe. And then he says, the war's just beginning, cuts back to Finn, and I will not be the last Jedi, cuts back to Rey. And that moment is when the whole movie comes together because something that The Last Jedi does, I think better than any Star Wars movie, is it gives you four character arcs, like fully fleshed out in this movie. We have Poe, mm-hmm. Finn, Ray, and Luke. And in that moment, within that like 15 seconds of Luke saying that, it all comes together. And the way that it was kind of cut up and, you know, goes back and forth just gives me goosebumps, like literally talking about it right now. <laughs> but it's just so good. And, and I think that, you know, the way we almost get, you know, we almost get two or three different endings in The Last Jedi because, you know, after Ray and Kylo, you know, kind of have their standoff where Kylo offers Ray's hand, you know, that could have been honestly the end of a Star Wars movie where it just like either cuts off there or, you know, she says no, they go their separate ways. But then it's like all that stuff happened with, you know, the Holdo maneuver with Ray and uh, Kylo and 
uh, Finn and Rose on the ship, like all those storylines come together right there. And then it's like, oh no, we still have like 20 minutes left and we got to go to crate and mm-hmm. had all this, like this second ending and the way that it, it all comes together is just, is just so good. And then the other moment that really comes to mind is when Snoke and Kylo are having that conversation towards the beginning of the movie, when he says uh when snoke says hope lives in the galaxy and right when he says hope it cuts back to kylo ren and he it just kind of like lingers on him for a second where it's like that's you know and then later ray says like then he's our last hope and you know the way that they kind of set those up that was that was something that was awesome too yeah there's uh so much good editing and so many uh, great shots and and little like you said lingering moments and things that you can pick up on after you've uh, watched through it a couple of times it's just great absolutely do either of you have a favorite moment like that ryan johnson is a master at editing i would say one of my favorite bits of editing is when uh finn asks where ray is and then you see ray because it's like it's kind of natural just to make that segue there. So. Mm-hmm. I really like the different um, interpretations of Luke's encounter with Ben at the Jedi Temple. Um, I like just kind of kind of the small tweaks and how you're seeing it from the different perspectives as it plays out um, over those couple of times that he's talking about it. Yes, the Rashomon. That is, yeah, that's such a great, such a great storytelling device. It was just, it was interesting to see that in a Star Wars movie, and the fact that it like worked really well in that Star Wars movie was was really impressive for sure. So, my next question for you is, what is your favorite reference to Knights of the Old Republic, or reference, or Easter egg, whatever you want to call it, um, in the new? Disney can. So I know there's been a handful of them, you know, like you talked about in the Mandalorian with kind of the mm-hmm. reference to the Mandalorian Wars. What would you say is your favorite one so far? I would say for me, it's either Luke wearing like kind of a broken uh, Jedi Crusader Sith saber. So like the Jedi back in the, the old Republic days, like when they would like kind of like conquer, you know, like Sith uh, enemies, they would like crush their lightsaber and like wear it as like a a pendant uh that or uh at the end of the the first season of the mandalorian uh like just the way that the armor kind of talks about the wars of eons past like uh, i i think she has a great voice and just the way she talks about it it sounds poetic like part of an oral tradition Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I really liked in uh, the second season of The Mandalorian when they fought the Great Dragon and they pull out the Great Pearl because that's something uh, that you do on a quest in Knights of the Old Republic. But uh, I'll tell you what, I got so excited when I f- started reading uh, Light of the Jedi. And I think it's in like the very first chapter they make mention of Kolto, which is something that's uh, pretty important in Knights of the Old Republic as part of the storyline. I got I got so excited seeing that and just seeing kind of the bridge going backwards. So I think that that was probably my favorite little um, Easter egg, little nod back to back to kind of this uh, old Republic era of yeah. Star Wars that that gave me, you know, some more hope that we're going to see some more uh, lines going backwards. So it seems like, you know, they keep dropping things here and there where it's like eventually it's like, OK, announce something, you know, like put something <laughs> out like it's, it, you know, it, it feels like 
in you know the mandalorian season two when there was all those hints to like seeing different characters and stuff where it's like okay it's inevitable that you know this character is going to pop up eventually or even Mm -hmm. right now with the bad batch where it's like they keep dropping hints to um like there's all this stuff surrounding like boba fett right we have fennec shan Mm -hmm. a reference to boba fett we have all this stuff where it's like okay well boba fett's probably gonna show up eventually it's kind of the same feeling where it's like okay they keep dropping these little things and you know it's stuff that i don't catch like at all because again Mm -hmm. not not super familiar but then i see like online later people are like oh that's from you know kotor or whatever and and it just seems like yeah that that just keeps happening a lot (laughs) yeah for sure uh, so I'm going to, I'll kind of tie my question into, you mentioned the Bad Batch. So we've got another series coming out here shortly, the Cassian Andor series. Uh, so I want your over under on this, Travis. So uh, Cassian Andor series, is Admiral Holdo, is she going to make an appearance or get a mention? Is she going to be running around with Leia in that series at all, do you think? Wow, that would be amazing. I actually hadn't thought of of Holdo showing up, but... Yeah, I don't know. Andor is so interesting because there's legacy characters that are there uh, that are, you know, alive during that time period, part of the rebellion. And then you have your prequel era, you know, mm-hmm. or even like solo characters, stuff like that, where it's like we could have a character like Holdo show up in the same show as, you know, Emphis Nest or Emphis Nest's mother or, you know, things like that, where it's like, that's just, it's bizarre, that time period where, you know, that, that time period has been leaned on for storytelling, right? That between three and four, but Mm -hmm. it, it is interesting to me that, you know, especially the rebellion side of things, um, yeah, I don't know. Wow. That's, that's a really good question though. I would love, I would love to see Holdo show up. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah, I, I could just imagine they're having some meeting with Bail Organa and you just see Leia and uh, Holdo just, you know, walking through the back or something. So. Yes. I wonder if her <laughs> hair would be pink or it could be a different color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I, I would I would I would love that reference of that if that popped up for sure. OK, so my next question is, who do you think is the number one character that a casual fan might not really know. So I think, you know, a lot of fans know Bastille Sean and um, Bastille Shan, sorry. And uh, like Darth Revan and, and Darth Malak, you know, there's mm-hmm. those really popular characters that I think a lot of, you know, even casual star star Wars fans know that might not be familiar with it. Who do you think is the number one character that star Wars fans who aren't, familiar with KOTOR who they really should know or or like who's your favorite of those kind of side characters um from Knights of the Old Republic the first one I would say I I like Karth even though sometimes I'm annoyed by him but I I am like he's part of the trio like we need to include him you know orange jacket pistols pilot you know uh and then in the in the second game, it's definitely Kreia. Um, like, you can't talk about Knights of the Old Republic 2 without Kreia. That's, like, for me, she's, like, a top three character. And, like, uh, if you search YouTube, like, so, mi- so much of, like, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic 2 discussion is just kind of, like, 
going on about like her philosophy. I think like uh, that character has led a lot of people to to take philosophy courses and like go into philosophy. So, uh, so I I get excited when more people discover Kreia. But what about you, Brian? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that the character that most people should learn more about, and I think that more uh, that a lot of people would really like, and is probably my favorite character is Joe Lee. Uh, Bendo, he's from Knights of the Old Republic, the the first game, and uh, he's really interesting because he's kind of in uh, self exile, has taken himself out of the Jedi Order, and he is very similar in a lot of ways to kind of uh, Ahsoka's storyline or uh, very similar to kind of Qui-Gon's sort of uh, mentality about the Jedi Order. And he's he's really interesting. He's dealt with a lot of loss and he's kind of a good kind of pivot point for uh, Revan and Basil, you know, the characters that that people know, but he's, you know, older and wiser and has uh, some experience in these things. So I think that he would be a really interesting character for people to do a little bit of a deeper dive on and, you know, kind of get into some of his backstory and his lore. Love it. I, I definitely both duly noted and I'm going to be checking those those characters out for sure uh, a little bit more in depth. So that's that's really good to know. Then, are you familiar with the Prime Jedi mosaic in The Last Jedi? Yes, yes. What do you make of that uh, mosaic? Like, what does it represent, do you think? So, I think that it's really interesting that we get the conversation that we do around that mosaic right where Luke Skywalker is talking about how the Jedi, you know, basically failed and that the Jedi should be no more because, you know, it was a Jedi who, who led to the creation of Darth Vader and let Palpatine take over. Right. But then we have Ray who's like so far on the other side of things right there where Ray is very, you know, at this point, she's still very innocent. Like she, she knows what she knows. Like she knows that Luke Skywalker is a legend. She knows that side of the story, but I don't know if she necessarily knew all of that. And Luke, you know, being kind of where he is in that story is, you know, he's been exiled for a while and he's really thought about this and they're having this conversation. And then he's still, you know, right before that is, teaching her about the light side and the dark side. And so I think it's just that two halves of the same coin where it's like, you can't have one without the other, you know, it couldn't happen. Ray couldn't go to Octo, find Luke Skywalker and him just be like, okay, like I'll train you. Like, let's do this. Like, we're going to go, let's power up. Let's go fight the bad guys and win, you know, like, Mm -hmm that's not interesting storytelling like first of all but like that's not how things work right you have to have both sides and so ray gets there even at the beginning of the movie you know luke throws the lightsaber and and you know it's like and, and he even says like what'd you expect 
you know, to come here and I, I just go face down the first order alone. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like that can't happen. Like that would, again, that'd be boring. Like you just go, and I know some people would love it, you know, if Luke was like, okay, let's go, like, let's go do this. But mm-hmm. that, yeah. that wouldn't make sense, you know, for his character, like why else would he be on this Island? And so I think it, it just kind of shows that you have to have those two sides of things conflicting with each other. And you know his his whole speech when he is training ray of you know powerful light powerful dark and she goes to the dark side and you know the dark side cave and kind of goes through her journey so yeah i think it's i think it just really goes back to like you can't have one without the other there's always going to be conflict no matter what even post rise of skywalker it's not like everything's just going to be fine you know like if if we never get if we were to never get another story past nine okay yeah there's your you know happy ending or whatever but you know like eventually conflicts are going to come up i mean that's that's just how things work so i think it's just that that two halves of of the same coin kind of thing for sure yeah definitely um so my next question so you brought up actually a couple characters that i had questions on so i know that there are theories about this i just want to see where you two stood on this so do you think that karth is force sensitive um that is an interesting question like i have seen that theory before because he he seems to kind of be with it like he says i have a bad feeling about this something isn't adding up and his son is revealed to be Force-sensitive. Um, so, it, I mean, sometimes we dip into that question, like, does he have enough, like, metachlorines to be a Jedi? I don't know about that, but I feel like mm-hmm. uh, being Force-sensitive is kind of like an allegory for being mindful and being present. And I think, like, he is a good, uh, mature person. I think his paranoia does kind of hold him back but i don't know if he's just kind of good at expecting everything to go wrong and being prepared or if he's kind of in tune with the universe but yeah it it is an interesting question yeah i think i think with his son being force sensitive i think that kind of leads you to believe that he might be as well and he he has some intuition but yeah i don't like you said, like uh, what Cassie said, I don't think that it's necessarily like he's force sensitive, like a Jedi would be necessarily, but it is just some sort of kind of, uh, you know, elevated uh, thinking and sort of uh, connection that he would have to the force. So I think, uh, you know, a little bit of force sensitivity there, but for sure. And yeah, I think that's an interesting, Cassie, how you put it, you know, because it seems like technically everyone is somewhat force sensitive right because the force surrounds us binds us all together um but yeah i thought that was interesting kind of when i was looking up some things that you know a lot of the signs kind of led to him possibly being force sensitive and you know we've had other characters that you know throughout star wars that have kind of had that same thing where it's like I like finn yeah exactly yeah it's mm-hmm. like huh yeah maybe maybe that's something and then it turned out to be something so yeah no it's just an interesting question yeah, definitely. Um, so my question is going to piggyback a little bit off of the uh, last question as well. You're talking a little bit about kind of the the mosaic and uh, Luke talking uh, 
you know, about the force and how he'd, he'd gone there to shut himself off from the force. And uh, that's kind of about the time when he starts to, you know, kind of reconnect and open himself back up a little bit. He, you know, has that connection where he, you know, reaches out to Leia and then Yoda obviously comes in and, uh, you know, they have their conversation there about the Jedi text and how, you know, about being a teacher and all that sort of thing. Do you think that, uh, well, it's kind of a two-part question. So, A, do you think that Yoda had also turned himself off from the Force on Dagobah? Um, maybe not necessarily to avoid it, but as maybe some sort of uh, mechanism to uh, protect Luke and Leia and to keep himself in hiding. So that's kind of the first part. And then the for the second part of that, then, do you think that Yoda was always kind of aware that Luke was on Octo, uh, you know, hiding out from the Force, you know, trying to do his best to to shut it out? Do you think he was just kind of there waiting for him to, to reach back out? Or do you think that uh, Yoda was out there, you know, kind of uh, looking for uh, that connection to be made? Really good questions. I think those are like the million dollar question, right? Like, where's where was Yoda in all of this? <laughs> like, why didn't he come up right. sooner and have this conversation? You know, it's right. It's it's funny how how the force works for sure. I think for the first part of your question on Dagobah, I've never really thought about it like that, and I think I've always just thought of Yoda being there, still being like in tune with the force, still being you know not not necessarily cutting that off. And it reminds me of actually the story that just came out last year, uh, Tracy Dion, who's awesome, just an awesome author. And she wrote the story and from a certain point of view about the cave on Dagobah from the the cave's point of view Mm -hmm. and how, how it basically Yoda has this like special connection, even with the cave, like he, you know, Yoda knows that the cave is force sensitive and the cave is like, how does this guy know? And like, why isn't he, why has he, le- he left yet? You know, shouldn't he be scared of me kind of thing. And so I, I do think that Yoda didn't, didn't cut it off. It would make sense, you know, if he did uh, at some point to protect Luke and Leia, but I think that he was still kind of waiting it out and letting, letting things play out. And it was kind of that thing where, you know, disconnecting from the force because he saw this cycle that kept happening of Jedi and Sith and, you know, everything like that. So yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And then the second part, I think Yoda, um, I, I think that he knew, and it's funny. Cause yeah, I don't, I, we don't know much about force ghosts, right? And mm-hmm. how they work and what they know and what they don't know. But I do think that, you know, Octo is a special place that um, he, you know, and, and I think it makes me think of Rebels too, when he visits Ezra and he visits him and he basically tells him like, you know, physical place is not where we're at. Like we're connecting through the force. It doesn't matter where we are. I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing with Yoda where it's like, it didn't matter where Luke was or, you know, if he was trying to hide out or if he was, uh, you know, in the outer rim or, you know, anything like that. I think that Yoda could connect through, um, you know, through time and space kind of, you know, even like talking, you know, world between worlds and like how that works and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't, you know, I, I think that, he knew at that moment, that's when Luke needed to learn his lesson. And I think that any sooner Luke wouldn't have believed him. You know, he hadn't, he wouldn't have met Ray or anything like that. I think that things had to work out where Ray 
you know, had to visit and they had their fight. And then that's when Yoda was like, no, like we can't lose Ray, you know? And mm-hmm. it, that, that scene to me might be my favorite scene in all of star Wars is Luke and Yoda. And I think, and you can tell how much I love last Jedi. Cause I just will not shut up about it. But <laughs> that scene is, I think that it was so jarring because the last Jedi, so much stuff happened. And then you get Yoda that pops up and you're like, Oh my God, it's Yoda. And you don't think about like the words that are being said or the lesson that's being taught. And, but once you like see it a couple more times and you realize like what's happening, it's like, that is, you know, it's such a simple message, but it's such an important message. And especially for Luke, like he's failed a ton everybody's failed a ton. I've failed, you know, and I think that, you know, using that failure as teacher, you know, he says the greatest teacher failure is. And I think that's just such a great lesson that I go back to so much. And yeah, that, that whole scene is, ah, it's just so good. Yeah. They're really good. Okay. So my next question is who is your favorite character and why? I'll let you go first, Brian. Okay. Well, so, so I'd already kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, the Jolie is, is probably my favorite character. Um, and I'll just kind of go over that a little bit again. So Jolie was a Padawan and, and the Jedi, and, uh, he decided to take on a, a pupil who became his wife and, uh, train her, you know, without the Jedi orders, uh, kind of, permission or blessing but he decided to do it anyway and she ended up uh turning to the dark side um and he lost her uh during a battle and uh so he had this tremendous kind of loss and then he went into a self-exile very similar to uh, luke here or uh yoda or you know obi-wan kenobi kind of these uh self-imposed exiles and i i just think that that's really interesting uh for someone to kind of go through this whole belief system with these ideals and to kind of separate yourself from it um, while you're still kind of believing in it and exploring it and learning it and using kind of the lessons from it, but you're detached from it and you're choosing to do that on your own. I think that that's just really interesting. I think that that creates a pretty interesting character and a good character arc. And I think that that leads to what we see in good mentors like Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Yoda, Qui-Gon and, you know, characters like that. So for me, that's why I find Jolie so compelling in the story. So what about you, Cassia? Who is your uh, favorite character and why? Well, I think you already know what I'm going (laughs) to say, but um, I think my favorite character is Bastila Shan from Knights of the Old Republic. And, why I like her is because she makes the decisions that basically kind of create the whole, um, the whole situation. Like she basically drives the whole plot. Um, and it's just, she's an interesting character because I think she's like an Anakin Skywalker who's trying to present themselves as an Obi-Wan Kenobi, kind of the perfect Jedi. Uh, You kind of get vibes of, like, an overachieving, like, honor student 
uh, given too many responsibilities and kind of sheltered. Um, and then, like, so she's kind of, like, trying to be a good Jedi, kind of overwhelmed and everything, and then kind of, like, goes to the dark side and then is ultimately redeemed. So I think it's, like, you kind of get the whole full spectrum of the Star Wars experience with that character. And I don't know. I, th- I find it interesting. I think just listening to both of you talk about each of those characters, too, it just, you know, proves how much like no matter what piece of star wars you like like it's it's all star wars because both of those characters it's like yeah there's there's parallels but it just they both feel star wars right even if even if it was someone that you know nothing about and you just explained both of those i think that it's just like oh yeah like that's a star wars character like it's all star wars yeah exactly yeah So. so cool yeah, I think th- I think that that's the big reason why Knights of the Old Republic resonated with so many people who, you know, would have played it back around the time that it came out because it it really it just felt like a really good Star Wars story and it was really well written and there were really good characters and I think that's what resonated so much with people. Yeah, yeah. love that. So, uh, like we were talking about earlier, your podcast is named Force Time. Uh, what was your favorite force time scene and why? That's a good question. I'd, I'd have to go to the last one, you know, where, well, sorry, not the very last because they, they do have that one at the very end of the movie, Kylo and Ray, when she kind of like shuts the door on him. Mm, mm-hmm. But the in the hut, it just, you know, going into The Last Jedi there was some really great theories out there. I didn't, I didn't really get into the fandom until after the last Jedi really, because after the last Jedi, I was like, okay, I have, I have to know everything about this movie about star. Like I, I was a big star Wars fan, but I wasn't like online or anything like that. But going back, it was like all these fans had all these theories about, you know, that they could have this connection because from the force awakens when, you know, he's kind of like, inside her mind and then she goes inside his mind and you know to see them where they started where it's like kylo's super evil right with the mask and everything and the force awakens but then even as the force awakens go on goes on like there's that scene at the end where he's like i can train you like you you need a teacher and so you see there's like a little bit different of a side of kylo and then when you get that true connection that's the only way for them to have a conversation without them like wanting to fight each other. Right. If they were in person mm-hmm. having these conversations, like it would have ended with that very first force time where she shoots him. Right. Like that, that that's how that conf- confrontation would have gone. So it's the only way to do it. But when they finally really connect on that last time that they're talking and there's the voiceover where Ray is talking and you don't know who she's talking to at first, and then it cuts and it shows Kylo Ren. You're like, oh, she's having this conversation with Kylo Ren because it almost seems like she could be having it maybe with Luke or whatever, you know, in person. And when they're just like, you know, you're not alone, either are you. And then their fingers touch, you know, across the galaxy. like Across that the was, stars. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was just, it was very romantic and it was very um, just, it, it was something that, you had never seen before which is hard to do in star wars because so much stuff has happened but Mm -hmm. the way that yeah that envelope was just pushed and they finally like 
touch fingers. Then, of course, Luke comes in and just like ruins it for him, right? <laughs> and then that whole scene right at the end is, is just that angry dad coming in, like, what are you doing, you know, with, with this, you know, uh, bully this of a boy. kid, you know, yeah. or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, no, I think that's that, that one it, it definitely, it was, you know, and seeing it in theaters too was that first time in theaters, like Last Jedi is still my favorite all time theater experience because there were so many moments like that where it was just like, everyone was like holding their breath, like what's going to happen, you know, yeah. it's, it, that, that mm-hmm. happened so many times throughout that movie. And I just remember at that moment, it was just like dead silent in the theater. Right. And the music like cuts way down and the way it's lit and there's the fire going and just, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, yep. no, that's, that's great. They are uh, really good moments and that that's probably my favorite of them too. But yeah, I, I really love the way they kind of all play out and you don't know, I, they very well could be, you know, like you said, just talking to themselves and kind of having, having this inner monologue and you don't know that they're really connected kind of until, you know, their fingers touch and they have that intimate moment there. So, yeah. Yeah. Too long. Didn't read Ray low. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, see, it's funny because I didn't read into that after the force awakens really and i didn't you know i just didn't think about it but then when that happened it just felt so natural too to the story where it was yeah. like oh like this this makes sense like yeah. you know so yeah no nah, it's just it was just um very very good for sure so my next question is if you had to pick one scene or um, one level and you only get to pick one on this one to see in live action um again whether it's a movie tv show anything like that if you got to see one scene or level what would you pick uh for me it would be the jedi strike team when bastila is sent like as a jedi padawan with some other jedi um to try to apprehend darth revan and what ends up happening is uh Darth Revan is compromised. He's betrayed by uh, Darth Malak, and she kind of has to make the choice uh, to to heal him, and that kind of creates their Force bond, which uh, in the new canon is called the Force Dyad. So uh, that's what I would yeah. like to see. Yeah, so for me, seeing one thing in live action would probably be your time in Korriban, which is the kind of uh, Sith held uh, planet, kind of a kind of the head of the Sith there. And they have the Valley of the uh, Dark Lords there, which is very, you know, kind of uh, similar to like the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. So you have these big tombs and big monuments to all of these ancient Sith Lords and you're going into these tombs basically to recover artifacts is uh, part of the game. But I would really like to see that played out because I really like, you know, kind of Egyptian stuff. I really like archaeology. Uh, I really like Indiana Jones. And I think that it would have a lot of those same kind of vibes. And it would be amazing to see in a Star Wars setting, which is probably why I like Dr. Afra so much. So I love Dr. Afra. I, I just, yeah, she's, she's definitely one of my, one of my favorite characters. I would love to see her come to life too and you know i think and, and i'm not even saying like just because she's in the comics like that makes it any different but i would just i would love to see her 
in live action and just all the different places she goes and like like you said the the like rogue archaeologist like just to see what that that looks like but i you know i i've listened i've only i've only been able to listen to the first one of your episode talking about you know mapping out kind of what a trilogy would look like mm-hmm. and i have really enjoyed that for sure and i i would definitely watch uh this movie that you're that you're mapping out for sure oh yeah. awesome thank well, you thank you <laughs> we yeah. have fun kind of just talking screenwriting talking movies like we have no plans to like you know shoot a fan film or anything but we just we just have fun kind of theorizing about it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah so well, let's see, going back to uh, The Last Jedi here. So um, one of my favorite lines in the movie is uh, right at the beginning of the film, Poe gets back and, uh, you know, he is kind of celebrating. They took down the uh, the Dreadnought and he's telling Leia that there were, you know, heroes out there. And Leia says, dead heroes, no leaders. Um, and that's just one of like a thousand different teaching moments in The Last Jedi, uh, which are all really great. So uh, you have like Holdo and Poe, you have Rose and Finn, Luke and Ray. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, teaching moment or do you have a favorite kind of mentor mentee relationship in The Last Jedi or uh, a couple, I guess? Because like I said, there are just, you know, tons of really great ones in this one. Yeah, it's it, it's really hard to pick because. Yeah, like I said earlier, you know, you have all these storylines, all these character arcs happening and you see all this growth. Like there's so much growth in this movie. I think for sure my favorite moment is Rose and Finn at the end, you know, when Rose says, you know, it's not about fighting what you hate, but saving what you love. I think that that line, you know, those however many words it is like that explains star wars that's why Mm -hmm. i love rose so much like rose is one of my favorite characters because that moment like throughout just she embodies what star wars is and i think that you know you see that you see that so many times saving what we love not fighting what we hate obviously the biggest one being luke you know at the end of return of the jedi right? He's not going to fight the emperor. He's not going to fight what he hates. He's going to save his father. And, you know, that's, that's what it's about. And, you know, you see it with Obi-Wan in A New Hope where he puts down his lightsaber against Darth Vader and he, you know, kind of confuses Darth Vader so they can get away. Right. And he's not fighting what he hates. Obi-Wan could have put up a a better fight in, in that, uh, duel you know even even with him being a little bit older and everything but mm-hmm. he you know he put down his lightsaber same thing in attack of the clones where yoda at the very end of the movie he you know he has the choice when he's going against count dooku where the only way dooku can get away is if he like basically threatens anakin and obi-wan's lives uh, lives and like throws those big you know pillars or whatever down to him and Yoda has to catch them right he's not Yoda could have went after Dooku and killed him right there mm-hmm. like he, he could have done that he was going to beat him but he chose not to because he was going to save Anakin and Obi-Wan he wasn't going to let them just die so I think that you know that and, and it happens so many more times throughout Star Wars where it's like that lesson and like Finn's overall character arc in the last jedi i just i think it's so 
underrated. And I just, I think, you know, that it, it, they spent a lot of time on his, his character arc. And, you know, we go from the beginning of the film of him wanting to get in the escape pod and just leave and go find Ray and run away, which is kind of where he was in the force awakens, um, where all he cared about was Ray. So it made sense. Like he just wanted to run away, you know, when they were, um, in Maz's castle and everything. And then when Ray got captured all he wanted like he didn't really care about the rebellion he wanted to go get ray and so that picks up right after and it's the same thing and he has to be taught that lesson and rose the whole way through teaches him that on um canto bite with the fathers where finn's like oh that was great we really roughed up that town she's like it's not about that like she frees the father and then she's like now it's worth it like we just freed these animals that were being tortured basically you know for mm-hmm these people um to you know gamble and have fun and stuff and so like it's it's just that whole arc where at the end like finn is so on the other side where he's like so with it that he wants to do anything to help the rebellion and take the first order down where at the end he was willing to sacrifice himself and you know rose is like well slow down a little bit like not that much (laughs) you know like you don't have to go that far and so i just think you know when she saves finn and and gives him that line it's just that is star wars to me you know and like i said like star wars means a lot of different things to a lot of different people but i think that that just encapsulates what star wars is all about yeah definitely I'm glad you gave me that question because I, as you can tell, like I've, I've thought about this a lot <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's, it's funny too, because I, I started force time after actually, uh, after the rise of Skywalker. Right. So I, I got into the fandom after the last Jedi, but like, I wasn't just going to immediately start a podcast and be like, okay, here I am, you know? So I, I waited and kind of uh, found my own way. And then after the rise of Skywalker, so I haven't really done I think I bring up The Last Jedi in every single episode in some capacity, but I haven't done like a full on um, Last Jedi episode yet, although I do have one coming. But um, but yeah, I've I've definitely thought about thought about (laughs) The Last Jedi a lot. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, there are just so many good uh, mentor relationships and uh, wisdom that you get throughout the film, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's yeah, it's impressive how how many arcs are fully formed and the lessons that they learn it's just it's really good um okay so my next one is and cassie and in ryan you've put this up on on the podcast account a couple times um and i think i might know your answers but what planet from kotor would you most like to visit and why so i think if i was going to go to one planet uh it would probably be dantooine just because it's nice and peaceful it's uh full of meadows and old temples and uh it just it looks pretty chill pretty relaxing and you could go through the uh jedi libraries there at their enclave and that would be a fun time so i think i would go to dantooine probably if i had to pick one what about you cassia where are you uh taking the ebon hawk to yeah, typically my answer is Dantooine, but I think just kind of as we we're talking about the second hypothetical movie that isn't happening, you know, like uh, <laughs> talking about Manon, you know, it's like an ocean planet. It's like Camino, but with no storms, no rain. 
And it's kind of like a Cold War planet. So it's like the Sith and the Jedi, they both need access to the Kolto, which is like a medicinal predecessor to Bacta. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a Cold War, which you kind of don't see that much of in Star Wars. It's usually just a, a war war, a hot war, whatever like <laughs> the the term is, you know. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of peaceful and... I think it would be kind of a nice place to go on a little vacation. Yeah, it's very clean and orderly there. Yeah, it seems like a good time. Yes, definitely. I think, yeah, the best vacations are going to just a quiet place and just kind of hanging out for a while. So great answer. So my question, um, it's kind of like, I hope it's not a loaded question, but like maybe... (laughs) um, how do you think Ryan Johnson would have ended the Skywalker saga? Ooh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, hmm. I would have loved to see it. I think that, hmm. I'm going to try to tr- tread lightly here. I have thoughts on the rise of Skywalker, lots of them. I haven't um, said a ton of them, but uh, I think it would have been a completely different movie. And I don't think that's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like hate the rise of Skywalker by any stretch. And like, I, I think that it was very Star Wars and, and everything, but, you know, I don't know that. I mean, you have to start with Palpatine, right? Like, that's that's the big one where it's like, was that planned? Was it not planned? You know, it's it's kind of the same thing where there were hints of it in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. It's like, did, did was that planned from the beginning? Yes, no. Signs kind of probably point to no. Um, but, you know, I think that if, I think one thing that I can say, you know, but I feel pretty sure of myself uh, is that um, Ben Solo would have probably been featured a little bit more at the end, you know, or maybe he would have been, you know, quote unquote, redeemed a little sooner. And maybe there would have been, a, you know, I, I don't think there was ever going to be a happy ending for him, um, but maybe a, a different ending, maybe a happier ending. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that in the rise of Scott, I don't think in episode nine, if Ryan Johnson had been doing it, I don't think there would have been a MacGuffin necessarily as far as, you know, taking up a ton of the movie. Um, again, not saying that's bad. It's very Star Wars that happens in a lot of uh, Star Wars things where you got to go find something. But, you know, we kind of saw that in The Force Awakens with we got to find Luke Skywalker. We got to get this map. And then in the rise of Skywalker, it's like, we got to find, um, Exegol. We got to find this map. You know, it's like, we got to find this, uh, knife and then we got to go to the death star and we got to, you know, find the holocron or, uh, the, sorry, the wayfinder. Um, so I don't think that there would have been as much of a plot revolving around a MacGuffin. Um, wow. I would have to think about that one more too, though, but that's, that's a couple of my thoughts. How do you have any thoughts on that? I'm very interested though. I think that I think Ben Solo would have been redeemed and he would have lived and I think I think that uh, it would have been 
uh, a Ray low ending. Uh, that that's what I think. Just kind of uh, seeing what Ryan Johnson has kind of said over the course of the years and like uh, some of his interviews. I think it would be perhaps more character driven. And I mean, there's parts that I like, you know, from the Rise of Skywalker. Like I, I love the scene with uh, Kylo and and Han. Like that's it's pretty much perfect, you know. Uh, but I think it just wouldn't have felt so hectic and not so much MacGuffin-y, like you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I, like you said, this this is really hard to uh, to kind of verbal. I think it would have basically concluded pretty much the same. I think it you know it still would have uh, led with them, you know, confronting Palpatine, um, Ben Solo, you know, sacrificing himself to save Rey and and her living on. But I think that the way they would have gotten there would have looked and felt very different, probably. Yep, it's one of those that I would love to know the exact answer but <laughs> it's behind us now yeah. <laughs> and and we're there so i you know it's it's funny i i definitely had conflicting thoughts about the rise of skywalker um but i'm i'm also kind of in the boat of like that's the story you yeah. know and mm-hmm. and so that's that's what happened you know like that's it doesn't matter what anyone kind of you know i think i think that after the last jedi and like getting into the fandom it's you know there's good and bad for sure obviously like with the star wars fandom there's a lot of like uh oh type like oh what am i what am i getting into but um (laughs) it's you know i think there's a good and bad of before like i i like somewhat theorized about what was going to happen um but at the same time i was just like okay let's go see what happens you know and then when i was going in the rise of skywalker i was in the fandom for two years and so i had all these all this other uh, you know um, all these other voices, listening to podcasts, seeing what people were talking about on social media, like all these different theories about, oh, it's going to go this way. It's going to go this way where I never really liked to like have a preconceived, like, oh, this, like, here's my checklist of what I want to see. And I still didn't mm-hmm. do that with the rise of Skywalker, but I think there were things that probably did, um, alter kind of how I thought about the rise of Skywalker based on those two years in fandom and seeing those theories and things. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, that's the story. And Star Wars is weird sometimes. And it definitely got weird in the rise of Skywalker. And um, there was like Cassie said, like there was there was a lot to love in that movie. And, and you're right. Mm-hmm. That, ben, that Ben and Han uh, scene. Wow. Like that was that. Yeah, that's one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars, too. I'll say. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, that I love how you started that question with. I don't know if this is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. it, it was a loaded question. So sometimes yeah. you just have to embrace the awkward and just ask things. Yeah, just, so just lean into it. Being mm-hmm. cool, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I think am am I right in saying I have two questions left? I think that's what I have left. Yeah. So yeah. okay, so Brian, you talked about Jolie Bendo um, mm-hmm. quite about quite a bit, and. Um, I know that on on your Instagram account, on the Evan Hawk Instagram account, there was kind of a comparison to uh, Yoda. And you brought up that comparison to Yoda a little bit of being kind of exiled. Do you think that Jolie Bendo's character was like heavily influenced by 
uh, Yoda or another character that we had seen? Or do you think that it just, it was, you know, it's one of those Star Wars things too, where it's just a natural Star Wars thing for someone to go through that type of journey? Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely leaned a lot on Yoda and Obi-Wan. Um, and really just, you know, kind of the the hero's journey of having, you know, an older, wiser mentor. Um, but I think they probably took a lot of inspiration. So Knights of the Old Republic came out in 2003. So they would have been, you know, kind of writing it and storyboarding it and laying it out, you know, about the time that episode one would have come out. So I think that they probably looked at Qui-Gon and his view of the Force and the Jedi Council as kind of a a good starting place for uh, how they were going to write Jolie. So I think they they probably, you know, dipped a little bit, um, like you said, into, into Yoda, into Obi-Wan, but then uh, quite a bit probably into Qui-Gon. Uh, what about, do you think that's fair, Cassia? Do you think that's yeah, kind of where their heads were at? Yeah. I wonder if they took inspiration from Qui-Gon. I would love that to, to be the case, but I think that they were like, ooh, a nature planet, kind of like Yoda, you know, but... I, I find the more I kind of investigate, like, Jolie's story, I think there's a lot of uh, parallels with uh, Ben Kenobi. And, uh, yeah, but Jolie's kind of his own kind of person. So I would love to see, like, a, a continuation of his story in some form. So I love it. Yeah, Jolie Bindo is, is going up the top of my list of, of <laughs> characters from KOTOR right now. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely need to check him out for sure. So. Yeah, he's like a, a staple. Yep. Yeah, well, since since Cassia asked you a, a questionably loaded question last time, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and ask I'm going to go ahead and ask my potentially loaded question. Just s- keep your feet to the fire here, Travis. So yeah. <laughs> in, in The Last Jedi, we get fathers, we get crystal foxes and we get porgs. So Travis, which one of these is your favorite creature, pal? from uh the last jedi wow that's a great question uh it's porgs uh that was that was a much easier question for me it's porgs for sure (laughs) i uh porgs are are yeah towards the top of my list for creatures in star wars i i loved the porg before we ever saw them like in (laughs) in the movie or anything and my daughter was at the right age too at that at that time i think she was yeah, two or three where like mm-hmm. we had all sorts of porgs and at our house, like stuffed porgs and like the little porg that like moves and stuff. And so, yeah, the porgs have been a staple in our household for a while, but the fathers are the fathers and the volptices, the, the crystal foxes are, are very underrated too, because the crystal foxes like what like look at those things and tell me you've seen something like that you know it's like mm-hmm. that's what you see on um like a crystal on your desk right or uh oh like, yeah you know that that people have on their desk yeah, or like in their house those magnet things yeah. yeah exactly it's like those were and they moved really cool and the father is like who wouldn't want to ride a father so yeah that porgs are porgs are up there but but those other two are are definitely contenders for sure that's a that's a great question <laughs> yeah somehow i got invited to like a like a fowl like a f o w l eating like kind of like dinner like it was themed like fowl eating i'm like oh 
okay, um, this is random. Like, and there were a few of them that still had like, I think like BBs in them. I'm like, this is interesting. But I I wore my Porg shirt at the time. Um, And I was like, is this sacrilegious? Like, I don't know. Uh, But so Porgs, Porgs and me are cool, but I, I think I prefer the Crystal Fox, honestly. Oh, okay. Can't go wrong. They'll lead you out of caves if you need to need to get out, so that's good. Yeah, you can't eat crystal foxes, you know, like yeah, it, they're, they'd be too tough. So that's probably true. <laughs> that's a good point. I bet Chewie could. I bet Chewie could find a way to eat them. Yeah. But <laughs> he would try for sure. Anyway, yeah. so um, I'm, I'll go. I'll go with uh, Porgs too. I've got a little pug dog, and she has a big eye and kind of always looks a little grumpy and gets into trouble. So she's kind of like a Porg. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The porgs are the porgs are so cool. We got when when my family and I went to Galaxy's Edge, one of the first things we bought, uh, my daughter was a shoulder porg. So it's it's got the magnet. Right. And it sits on your shoulder and everything. And yeah, one of the books that she got, I think it was in I think it was for Christmas in 2017 uh, was Chewy and the Porgs. And it kind of kind of gives that story of what Chewie was doing on Octo while while Ray and Luke were uh, doing their thing. And it's it's a really cute book. So yeah, we're we're definitely a Porg family for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would love to see shoulder gizka. They're kind of like a little bit like a frog, like just two legs and a face, you know, like kind of like yellow and green. You'll have to Google them after like if the old Republic era ever becomes canon. I hope that Gizka merch, you know, you, you get to see that in Galaxy's Edge because I, I think it'd be cute. So yeah, I'm, for I'm sure. definitely going to look that up. That's how I'm very, <laughs> I'm very intrigued now. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of feel guilty about my last question. Um, I mean, I try to keep it positive, but like just kind of like uh, ask interesting questions. But because um, we're, we're, I try to be about like positivity and everything. Uh, what is one aspect of the Last Jedi that you think doesn't get enough positive attention? Uh, Canto bite, for sure. That you said that that doesn't get enough positive attention, right? Is yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no Canto bite. I think that again, it's it's one of those things that they were only on Canto bite for maybe 10 minutes of the movie, but it had such an impact on Finn and it was so needed for his character to kind of see that side of the galaxy Mm -hmm. because he had been, you know, pretty much taken in as a child soldier and brainwashed and all, you know, it, it was even said like the mission that we see in the force awakens that, that to open the force awakens that was his first like mission and so that was like pretty much his first time going anywhere you know since he was a young child um when they took him and so you know he gets there to canto by and he's like whoa this place is awesome like look at all these you know it's kind of he had the same reaction as the audience uh it was like whoa look at this place like it's awesome there's all these different aliens uh they're all dressed up super nice they're gambling they all have money like it's so cool and then Mm. rose like shows him no like it's it's not that great and she like really lays it out like 
what's all wrong. And actually, you know, just talking about that, it really makes me think of the Bad Batch right now and what's going on with Omega because mm-hmm. Omega, she's never been out in the galaxy. And the first time that we see her out, she has this big smile on her face. She's like loving life. She picks up the dirt and drops it. And she's like, what is this? Like, this is awesome. You know, it's dirt. And mm-hmm. then she keeps like we keep seeing them go to these other places and she sees the other side of things where it's like, okay, well, things aren't all just perfect. Like you have to look a little deeper. And so I think that, yeah, Canto by it like that, that means they're riding horses, you know, these giant fathers through the town. It's just, it's, it's really fun. It's a really fun scene to me and it's much needed for Finn's character. And it, it fits, you know, a a lot of people would, you know, kind of complain like, well, they go to Canto Bight and they they don't do anything. Like they could have just skipped that and went straight mm-hmm. to trying to get into the ship. And it's like, no, like that's part of the character building. And that's something that, you know, a lot of Star Wars movies, you know, they don't get that deep in to your second character, or your third, you know, leading character. It's like you don't get those character moments. And, you know, seeing Finn and Rose on that journey through there is just so cool. Plus we get DJ and we also get, we get BB-8 um, taking out those space cops with like coins. The, the coins. Yeah. yeah. And, and he does that and he like takes them out and it's just very um, like old timey type, like not sitcom, but kind of serial where it's like, it's pretty unrealistic that he would shoot these coins and they'd all like fall over. So it's kind of that gag, but then he like, blows his he blows you know, the, the gun thing out yeah yeah like he's a cowboy you know and it's just i don't know i, I love canto bite and and yeah i think that's something that that should get some more love for sure that that was a great question i thought that the question was going to be what's something you dislike about the last jedi and i wasn't oh, gonna have any i would I was never not- do that to you that would be like Someone asking me, like, what do you hate about KOTOR? And it's like, yeah. I hate literally nothing. Like, yeah, so. that's I, I would have just sat here and been like, I don't have anything. I don't like, I love it all. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's that's a good one, though. So, and actually, my, my last question is very similar to that in that, um, you know, I kind of asked at the beginning for just a synopsis. We've talked about favorite characters, planets, things like that. But what would you say, you know, again, maybe if you had a minute or two minutes to just say like, what, you know, what's the number one thing or, or why do you love uh, Knights, of the Pol- Knights of the Old Republic as much as you do? Uh, Brian, you can go first and then I'll go. Okay. So, so for me, what I love about Knights of the Old Republic, it's, um, it's not so much the, the gameplay itself. It's that you get immersed into this world with all of these very rich characters inside of Star Wars and at the time when this came out is you know 2003 so it's just kind of after the the it, during the you know prequels uh, coming out there so i guess right after attack of the clones would have come out um but you never had really gotten to explore the Star Wars universe in this way i mean there'd been you know video games and you know X-wing tie fighter you know some really excellently done video games but there was never a way to like explore and live in Star Wars like this um, so when you're playing it, you're, you know, you're getting to know all these characters and all of these locations. Some of the locations are familiar. Some of them are new. Some of them you'd only heard mentioned in the movies. And, you know, just just getting to live in that world for 
you know, 40 plus hours with these characters that are really interesting. And it, it feels just like your own kind of star Wars story that you're playing out. Cause you're making decisions and it's having, you know, effects on the game and on the, you know, the way that the story unfolds, uh, was just, was just really great at a time that, you know, something like that had, you know, we hadn't really had before. So it just, it struck with me definitely, obviously, um, Cause we're here talking about it, you know, all of these years later, but, uh, that's what stands out about it for me. Uh, what about you, Cassia? What, what sticks out for you in, in terms of Knights of the Old Republic? What keeps you coming back to it? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like the first RPG in the Star Wars world. And sometimes, sometimes I forget that, like you really got to kind of inhabit the, the Star Wars galaxy, like never before, uh, but for me, what I love is that it's 4,000 years uh, before, like, the traditional Star Wars timeline. Uh, so you have, like, completely new characters, new costumes, new situations, like, new political situations, new wars, you know. Uh, not necessarily new technology, but, like, it looked different, you know, a little bit older, you know. Uh, it was all fresh, but still Star Wars. And I kind of like that not everything had to relate to like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. It was just kind of a, a someplace like you could just start from like ground zero and just kind of like see like a whole new Star Wars story take place. I love it. I'm sold. I'm sold from both of you. So that's, no, that's great. That's, that's awesome to hear for sure. So yeah. did you have any more questions, Brian? Cause I, I'm out of my questions. I have, I have one last question and this, I think this will be a good question to send us off here. So, uh, in last Jedi and you just, you were just talking about Canto Bite and, uh, one particular character that saved the day. So my question, Travis, uh, this is this is just a little bit more hard hitting than my last question, but I think it'll be a good one to to round us out here. Um, is BB-8 the real hero of the Last Jedi? So at the beginning, he uh, he fixes Poe's ship, so uh, you know gets you know the whole evacuation going. Uh, he rescues Finn and Rose and DJ from the prisoners. They get the ship, and then you know at the end of the film when they're on the First Order ship, and you know everything is uh, coming down on Rose and Finn. Uh, BB-8's there to uh, commandeer a walker and uh, get him out of there. So what do you think? BB-8, real hero of The Last Jedi? Absolutely, yes. BB-8 has so many great moments. And yeah, his body count is very high, which is uh, <laughs> funny to say, you know, because we think of like, you know, I think of triple zero and I think of, um, you know, IG-11, uh, IG-88, you know, of these like murder droids. And then mm -hmm. you have this sweet little round, you know, BB unit that is just like really funny and everything, but like really has, has, a, has a pretty high body count in The Last Jedi. And yeah, no, 100%. I think that he, he has so many moments and I think that's why I love him so much because like R2D was always my favorite droid and mm -hmm. r2d2 had so many heroic moments throughout the original trilogy and the prequels where it's like was r2d2 the real hero of 
Star Wars, you know? <laughs> and so I think yes. that's a legit. Yes is the right answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely a, a great question. And yeah, my, I think um, I have two, uh, my favorite moments from the last Jedi and especially like BB eight moments. Um, I just talked about this with my friend Tori on the Mandatorian Creed, which uh, we talked about droids for an hour and a half. And if, if you are interested in, in droids and like the history of robots and media, definitely go check that out on the Octo radio network. But we talked about this. It's when BB-8 and DJ Rosenfinn, they're on the ship that, you know, clearly DJ stole and they're going back to help the resistance. And DJ uh, makes a, you know, makes a comment like, that it makes it obvious that the the ship is stolen and he's like you you stole the ship and and dj says we stole it and bb8 like he says we like in his squeaky like droid (laughs) voice but he says we like he like you can hear him say the word we which is really funny because he could he can naturally make that sound and then Mm -hmm. my other favorite bb8 moment is when Rose and Finn and BB-8 sneak on to the First Order ship and BB-8 puts, they, they put the trash can over BB-8 mm-hmm. to hide yep. him and he makes the mouse droid noise, but he makes it really poorly, you know, because the mouse, <laughs> the mouse droids, they're like really high pitched and like real quiet. And he's like, do, 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 do 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 you know and making that noise or it's like you're dude you're clearly not a mouse droid you're just a, like it's a trash can over you you're you don't look anything but he's trying to pass off as a mouse droid i just those those bb8 yeah bb8's the the star of the show for sure yeah love it yeah it's <laughs> a great one it took me a while to realize that uh bb8 was the one who says i have a bad feeling about this and yeah, I was like happy beeps, happy beeps. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> that's so cute. That is another great detail. Yes, uh, I love that. Yeah, BB-8's BB-8's awesome. That's RCD2. I think will probably always be my favorite droid, but BB-8 is is right there. I I love BB-8. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I think I, did. We have any more uh, ground uh, to cover here for questions. Last Jedi or Kotor? Okay. That's all. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Travis, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us, you know, kind of this uh, Q&A back and forth here about The Last Jedi and Knights of the Old Republic. We appreciate you taking time out Uh, for folks out there listening. Why don't you tell people where they can, you know, find you online and uh, check out your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks again. This was this was so much fun. A great crossover episode. It's really fun for me because you know, obviously I get to talk about The Last Jedi a lot, which is always fun, but also because, you know, you two kind of helped fill that gap a little bit of my Star Wars knowledge and, you know, listening to you and your love of KOTOR is just, you know, it's infectious. So it's definitely got my wheels turning on, you know, kind of trying to get more into that, but no, so definitely appreciate it. But yeah, you can find the podcast you can find force time on twitter at force time pod a little bit more active on instagram at force time pod as well and yeah i have a lot of cool things coming down the pipe yeah um i have a couple series going on right now that we're having uh, new episodes come out soon so we have uh, a series called chain code where me and my friend kara are going through and doing deep dives on characters and so so far we've done a deep dive on Chewbacca and then we've also done Mace Windu Windu which 
also is another fun thing to really dig into characters that you think you are very familiar with and know, but until you really like start, you know, thinking about it and kind of researching and, and stuff, you kind of get a bit better appreciation. And then I have another um, series going on called Star Wars and Pop Culture, where I'm talking to different guests about different, um, different times and references that Star Wars comes up in pop culture. So I've done episodes on Star Wars and Saturday Night Live, uh, Star Wars and Sesame Street, and then the most recent one is Weird Al. Weird Al has a, a very long history with Star Wars. That was fun to uh, dig into. But yeah, you can you can find the show pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And yeah, like I said, on Instagram at Force Time Pod is the best place to find me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this episode has been a a long time in the, in the works and I'm just yeah. thrilled it's finally here and uh, I just love celebrating The Last Jedi. It's my favorite of the sequel trilogy and yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mine too. And yeah, I could, I could literally talk about it for hours. So <laughs> I appreciate you letting me do that for a little bit tonight. All right, everyone stay safe, stay hydrated and may the force be with you. And you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Ebonhawk Podcast. The Ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Evan Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.